So I looked at Ulysses, a program you mentioned last time we talked. What do you think? Um, I think it's interesting. I'm looking forward to trying it. I'm gonna. Um, I've got to use, pro- use the test period. I think you get ten hours free or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like the demo thing, and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and you can't see all the features, but uh, or at least that's what they said. Anyway, I'll I'll start using it a bit on a project and see, you know, what I think. It looks like it could really be interesting if you're into text. Yeah, if you're into using text files. Yeah, right. Do we? Um, do you get any feedback on the last? I mean, we asked the listeners a lot last time. We did. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let me just say today. Oh. Um, which is pie day I'm kind of so you know last time last episode do you not like that it's pie day I think it's a little goofy okay um you're wrong proceed <laughs> I mean you know why that irrational number I, anyway uh there's, know, there's, I there's, got a lot of you know I, I feel like I've got too many bees in my bonnet I feel <laughs> you know I, so what did I, you say about I, last time Joe I'm a 41 year old man this is true all right but what and about last week I think I'm just at the edge of we don't know any demographics about our listeners, do we? No. We don't know. So I don't know if I'm a lot older than our listeners, younger, around the same age on average. There is a fine line I once read, oh. right, between um, angry young man and cranky old bastard. Mm. Um, a fine line, you say? Yeah. I mean, I, as in, you know, you can clearly distinguish the two, but the line at which one crosses over, it can be indistinct. And um, right, and difficult to trace, and and hard to go back on. You know, you can't you can't become young again. You could become less cranky and and bastard like, I guess. But yeah. Anyway, so I worry. You know, our last episode was. You know, let me just face up to it. it a little bit of a rant. You know, against against word. Um, mm, maybe. And, yeah, I don't, well, I, I I don't think the word rant gets it. Rant suggests that there that there aren't really good reasons for the passionate feelings that you articulated, but there you were also articulating the reasons. Yes. Right. So I don't like, I like using the word rant when it's someone who's just kind of going off crazy. You weren't, <laughs> you were not crazy. You have real, you have reasons. Now, not everyone would agree with them. No, well, I think and in fact, should. I disagreed with some of them, but well, you've come around though. <laughs> but, but the point is it's, you know, you've got, Again, when you've got reasons that you can explain that aren't just subjective, uh, purely idiosyncratic stuff. Now, you can't, you also, at the same time, you can't expect other people necessarily to be as passionate about it as you are, because someone might not be. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, the reason I bring this up. Oh, okay. Is because I feel another rant coming on Ooh, boy. today. Oh, mm, boy. Do you know what we're going to talk about? I, I have a feeling. Yeah, I have uh, a hunch. Our our, our favorite, um, our favorite, ba- our favorite, basically defunct magazine has uh, and the a, right ha- of spring has again, <laughs> has again uh, ranked the nation's schools, including law schools, right? And the, yeah, various graduate programs, this is including the US law, news and world, U.S. News and World Report, right? Um, which is what you know. I don't even the name. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> They, <laughs> the name of the magazine, so, right? So yeah. they they have done the, the annual rankings, and 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 so they're of course the annual diatribes against the rankings, and the annual comparing and moaning and complaining and worrying and finger and, pointing and rejoicing and press releases and all of that and data crunching and yeah, which under which undergirds a lot of what you just said. So this is going to be our last annual U.S. News and World Report rankings 
episode. Oh, we're doing only one of them ever. I don't see a reason to return to this. I think I become a worse human the more I think about mm. these rankings. It's entirely uh, possible. But today we're going to talk about the U.S. news rankings. We can't rule out the the possibility, however, that in some future year there might be some aspect of uh, this issue that might be fresh and new that we wouldn't cover today that we would want to cover then. That's true. The so I don't think we should rule. I don't think we should say forever. We are forever more barred, stopped, and prevented uh, to address this issue again if we so desire. No, I, I don't anticipate talking about it again until the rankings are defunct. As defunct as the magazine in which they appear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. When they go the way of the rest of whatever it is that U.S. News and World Report does. That's unlikely to happen, but we'll see. This seems to be their cash cow. Mm, Indeed. Right. Uh, Basically an arbitrary ranking. All right, so we're going to get into that. Before we do, though, Joe, (laughs) before we do, um, I I thought we'd do... uh, See if we have any follow up. See if we have any any viewer mail. Um, see if we're going to give any shout outs. Um, has anything come across your desk? We did get one reaction uh, from a fan of the show who would actually like to hear more about some of the issues of wrangling word documents. And uh, uh, although he also expressed interest in something we really didn't get to talk to uh, get to talk about uh, much last week, uh, sort of. Uh, what you might put under the general heading of typography for lawyers, which is a topic near and dear to my heart, the sort of when you do get around, whether you get there because of, you've been using text files and you want to now create, a, generate some other kind of document or whether you start with that stuff and do it along the way in parallel. Um, but when you do get around to deciding, uh, how do I want to present this thing, whatever this thing is? memo to a client, letter to a client, brief you file a court, blog uh, post, whatever. Blog it is. post, whatever. Uh what are some of the design issues that you can think about and make decisions about uh, more effectively? I say it that way. He didn't say this in the email, but I say it that the way I just said it because uh you you're actually always making choices about this. The choice not to to quote not care uh, means you're choosing to use the defaults provided to you by some other decision maker. Right. Uh, and you know, this is the problem with uh, not just Word, but also PowerPoint. This is one of the ways that Keynote is much better than PowerPoint, and one of the ways that Pages is better than Word, is that the defaults produce something acceptable. Mm. Whereas if you use the defaults in PowerPoint, it's generally unacceptable, I think. <laughs> what do you, it's, they make, it's easier, you know, I mean, good tools... Make it easier to do to make the right choices, right? I think that's a very good point. But it's for the, another episode. I mean, the listener clearly wants to hear another episode on this, right? Yeah, and and I think I mean in the in the meantime, I want to reemphasize and let's put this in show notes again this week. We put it in last week, but let's flag it again. Uh, there is a great resource out there um, uh, by uh, this guy Butterick who has written. A yeah, few we need p- to get this guy in the show. Yeah, it would be awesome to have him as guest. To be amazing, I probably would be speechless with fanboy. Uh, really enthusiastic oh, oh, i'm go- such a huge fan of his stuff ah, okay. um, but his uh you know me too i like his stuff I th- butterick's I think, I think practical typography yeah. okay uh it's a web-based book you can also buy a, a print version i think you can got, buy a print version you could certainly buy buy you can certainly make a payment that goes towards supporting his projects um uh like this book um i bought one of his typefaces for Doesn't example he have, I, I linked it up last time because he has a uh a great, I think it's a 12-point summary. 
Yes. Um, yes. Or a two minute something. He's got, he's got a couple of things that I linked in the show notes last time. One you of can the many quickly. resources. Yes. Yeah. Where, where you can, where you can go in and, be, and he's, what's so brilliant about Butterick and his approach to typography for people like us, uh, and maybe some of our listeners is he is himself a lawyer, uh, uh, by education and uh, and by I think by experience and therefore he has faced these decisions himself professionally and knows what it's like to want the sort of tools the information the options etc that that again some of our listeners might want so when he talks about you know here here are the three most important ideas or here's the ten quick decisions you can make that will make your life much better uh, he's it's not and, just and they're talk. easy to do you, you so if you take an existing document. And he has suggestions for line spacing, for page width, for right. uh, for um, typeface, for yep. type size. If you go through and you make just a few of those corrections, your document will look better. It's pretty amazing. It's not like only magic. will not only will it look better than the thing it just was, it will look better than ninety percent of what people are exposed to. Yeah. So right. so in that way, it will stand out as better, not just to you, but to everybody. He's got in this book, uh, which again, this web-based book, Practical Typography, he has a, a lot of, I think it's in that book, might be in the other one, but he's got a lot of examples of sort of before and after. So he doesn't just give you these tips. He shows you, this is what it looks like before you do what I just said. This is what it looks like after you do what I just said. And he shows you both. And you can see both. So it's and not you, like it's it's not like those before and after where someone's like sucking in their gut. This correct. is like real differences. Yeah. And, yeah. and it... I mean, it smacks you in the it smacks you in the face of of what a huge difference it makes. All right, can so did this listener ask to have his or her name withheld? I don't recall, so let's not use it. Okay, so this is listener C R. Shout out to C R. Shout out to C R. Uh, and I, do you mind if I read from it? Because I think there's more to this than you. Okay. Uh, and I'll I'll change things to to protect our users' anonymity. Mm-hmm. That's very important to us. Our user users. Yeah, let's call them users. User mail. Oh yes, user yeah, mail. Users. Very so nice. They're using this. It's, yeah, this is all customer so, service. So our users, um, our users' privacy is very important to us here at the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, subject. MS Word is history's greatest monster. <laughs> I, you left that out, Joe. I did. That I didn't. Was, I didn't recall that until just now. I really enjoyed this week's episode regarding writing. A few months ago, when our moot court team was drafting uh, briefs, I encountered a similar problem with respect to formatting and collaboration. Turns out that people with different word skill sets simply are not very adept at combining documents to create a cohesive and elegant brief. And thus, our team has a 3L coach who is called, and they give, have a name for what this person is, but it doesn't matter, um, who is charged with editing and combining others' writings to produce a readable brief. Of course, editing all of this together would be much easier if team members had drafted their documents in plain text. Can I? Can I? Just make a- another example of how MS Word is history's greatest monster. And relatedly, I would really enjoy an episode on typography for lawyers, document design, and related topics, which yeah. is what you said. No, I think it's I think it's enormously to the credit of this group that they recognize the need for such a person. I think, of course, it's deeply sad that the right. world is a world where such a person's uh, role is necessary. Right. So I think you can both decry the fact that such a person is needed and congratulate them for recognizing the need and addressing the issue. What they have essentially because, is a chief designer. Correct. Because the alternative is, again, by, 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 quote, not deciding, they will have decided to do something poorly. Right. And that's imprudent. You should do something well. Yeah. Including 
des- make visual design choices. Yeah. Not let someone else make those choices for you. Make decision the visual design choices that help you present your information better. I think part of my point last week, though, is that it's almost impossible to gather these different versions together and produce something which is even passably um, uh, coherent uh, design-wise uh, without going in and having someone do something like that, uh, like this, uh, uh, what I call design chief, but they call something else. I yeah, it's harder to do does. when you've got more than one person involved. Yeah. Yeah, it, the the amount of effort it's going to take it probably does require, uh, well, the, it's, it's, it's going to be a significant amount of effort and therefore, in any group enterprise, you'll want to have one person who is responsible right. for it and who hey, can be held accountable want, for it. You would want that even if they were combining plain text. I think you'd want a chief designer for all of your outputs, right? I think any kind of firm would want this. Well, uh, you'd need a but, style manual that people that was clear enough that people could hew to that would greatly reduce the amount of knitting together needed that's later. That's the whole problem. No, you don't want that. You don't want that. The MS Word makes that necessary because if you if people don't adhere to the spec... Right. Then the person whose job it is to put all this together and then come out with a coherent, uniform design has a lot more work to do. If it were plain text, you see, so what's happening is that MS Word's foibles as a page layout program, right, are creating, are dissipating a lot of the potential effort that this person could put in. Um, so, so the 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 person whose job it is to to uh, aggregate all the documents and set them and design them is spending a lot of their time. Just making sure that all the typefaces are the same, all the font sizes are the same, that uh, we don't revert to uh, 1.2 line spacing versus 1.0, and right. and just rationalizing the document consumes yeah. so much of their time that I, they don't have a lot of time left over, I think, to make it, you know, uh, to, to do the job that you really want someone to do. But what I don't like do. about your suggestion is the notion that doing the job you really want someone to do takes hours and hours and hours. It doesn't. Um, so they don't actually need as much time as you might be suggesting that to actually make those uh, second order or third order, you know, high value design decisions. Right. So you're saying it takes away from that ability. Well, yeah, it does. Um, I don't deny that. But but it's not like it needs to be. Well, you got to you know plan ten hours for that, and it's not true. Well, and, okay. So and imagine don't we- and don't nip in the bud the suggestion because I know from experience it's actually a, a good idea. Uh, to have a, uh, even if it's a style sheet that, that says the more of this stuff you guys do at the front end, the easier job I'm going to have pulling it together. Doesn't mean you'll do it flawlessly. I'm going to be here to make sure it all gets done. Yeah. But, but you, you, you can plan and give yeah. some thought and people can do something helpful. Why would you say that isn't true? No, my, my point is that my point is only that using a page layout program to produce our content dramatically increase the costs on the back end of producing the documents that you want. Uh, and, and I think yes. you're right. Like if you have, once you have your document logically formatted, then um, styling it and, and designing it is, uh, is easier, especially if you're producing the same kinds of documents over and over again. And in fact, one way to see this is if you imagine you had like one chief designer at a law firm of a hundred lawyers or 200 lawyers. Okay. This person actually probably could do the design work for all of the documents uh, that the law firm produces if everything were in plain text and were and came in as uh, basically what the person did was styled right uh, the plain text documents. It, it's impossible to imagine that person coordinating and pasting together and then going through uh, in Word 
all of the different options to rationalize every document. Especially if, especially in a world where individual users at their desktops had the ability to toggle things into different positions. Uh, right. So you'd have to, if, if you were, uh, if you were using that second approach instead of having text files, you would, you, your impulse, I would imagine it would occur to you at some point, you'd think, I wish I could go basically break everyone's copy of Word. Yeah. So that I could make it force them to do, this is your earlier point about good design helps you, good tools help you make good choices easier. Right. right. So, you know, they, you'd think, I want to go make Word a better tool by giving it fewer options. And basically what you would end up with is a word processing program with zero buttons, right? <laughs> uh, because you would have a separate design step. And you could iterate between them. This was what we went back and forth about last time. I yep. just want to reemphasize that. I don't think we actually disagree on this point. Um, that uh, um, I'm not, I was not arguing for the complete separation of content production and, 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 and design and typesetting. I think you should be able to go back and forth between those. Mm-hmm. The point was that they should be separate tasks that you could do at any time. I wasn't saying right. you do all the content and then do the other. You should be able iteratively to do, right. uh, to do the two of them. Anyway, uh, th- we're going to come back to this. We, we are because it's such now. a rich, it's, it's such and, a rich topic, and, and we're going to get more few. And I got an, did you know I got an email? I did not know that. Yeah, it didn't it didn't come to our um, uh, our standard email, which, which is oralargumentpodcast at gmail dot com. Ah, that's oralargumentpodcast at gmail dot com, all plain text. Don't put it in italics; it won't get to us. <laughs> I don't. It, 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 no, no, no funny characters, no dots, right? Uh, other than dot com, gmail dot com, right. but everything else is. Uh, Plain text, all one word. All right. Um, Oral argument podcast at gmail.com. All right. We got another one. This listener also didn't tell me whether it was okay to read the email on the air or, or anything. So I'm just going to say this is from listener RJ. So we'll anonymize it in that sense. From listener RJ. Uh, very much appreciate this. I just listened to your last episode. One thing that you didn't touch on, which drives me nuts, is the practice of having two spaces after sentences. Unless you're using typewriter font, it seems like a waste of space and effort to ensure consistency. Yet whenever I mention the issue to anyone, there doesn't seem to be any interest in using one space because of the customs inertia. Perhaps something to hit on in your document formatting redux. Really enjoying the show, by the way. Hope you and uh, and Joe keep it up. Fantastic. Um, okay, so, so I thought we did talk on. Well, we did, but it at was the at the very, very end. end. And so I would tell listener RJ, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I know that it takes stamina to get through these longer shows. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned it, um, but very I thought briefly. I would go ahead and read the the email because clearly, I think uh, he listened to most most of the show, he or yes. she, and um, and I just want to encourage anybody who didn't catch the end and is interested in that, go back and listen to it. And but but um, I think what he uh, and we he, agree what, with what RJ. this listener brings up. I think we do. I think we do. That it's one space only ever. I, I, but I think that um, one of the reasons that I read this is because I think we need to go back to that in our typography discussion okay. later on, if that's okay. what people want to hear. Um, because I think it's more complex than that. I've always, I always used to, uh, I've started just using one. It's a very difficult issue, I think, although Butterick makes it sound easy and a lot of design types that I, I follow make it sound easy. I, I don't know. So um, uh, I think the listener has a point. Um, I would say for now, just in, it, listen to the end of the uh, Big Red Diesel episode, which we'll, of course, uh, have linked okay. up in the show notes. And you really, this now, now, now we super duper double must do this episode at some point because I'm dying to hear more from you about the, the senses in which for you this issue proves complex. I, I made the change of a number of years ago, um, 
And yeah, like we were saying, that, and like- I I can now spot two spaces after a period on a page of text from about five feet away. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's an error in someone else's document that I'm editing, that's impressive. You can spot anything from five feet away. Aren't you? Aren't you in your uh, even your early sixties or mid fifties? Where? How old are you, Joe? I already said I'm forty one. You should have to disclose. Oh yeah, I have no problem disclosing. Yeah, there we go. All I right. can't remember though. <laughs> I must be really old. <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> how old am I? I'm, I was born in nineteen sixty seven, so I'm fi- I'm forty seven. Forty seven. I'll be 47 in September. Okay. okay. I'm 46 46. Now. 46. That's hard to reconstruct that. Yeah, it gets, you know, it gets tough at some point. What I'm saying is, to me, two spaces after a period looks very strange. And I, when I'm editing things, extra space on a line that's full justified. Yeah. Um, it just looks awful. And it's it's like the first thing my eye goes to on a page. Hmm. Okay, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to say anything else about this. I think we're going to save it for okay. for another episode. Uh, but I don't know that it's so easy, an issue. But okay. we'll come back to it. Um, and, and I could be convinced. I could be wrong. Um, like I said, I do one space now. Fake we'll, it till you make on. it. Just keep, start using only one space. Fake it till you make it, dude. Yeah, that's... I. First of all, I hate that expression. Cool. Fake it till you make it. Oh, boy. Are we ready to start the show, Joe? We are. We'll cut all this out. <laughs> I love it that you say that now. Um, you, do you have any? Other I can feedback? lie as any, well any as you feedback? can. Excuse me. Any other feedback? Oh uh, no. Okay. Um, keep the emails coming, users. Keep, keep the yeah. I think we need to get our user mail uh, just full up. Um, getting a little more feedback than that, but that's that's basically it for this week. Yeah. Uh, and um, and, and of course, um, encourage your friends to listen to the show. Absolutely. I think you know. The, the, there's no reason this can't be America's favorite podcast. You agree with that, Joe? I do agree. There's no reason that it can't be. <laughs> there's no I reason absolutely it can't agree be. with that. There's, a, there's a blue sky. There's no law of physics preventing that from happening mm. that I'm aware of. Right. There's, there's no reason. I think no reason at all. None. Or otherwise. Yeah. None. Yeah. So tell your friends, um, you know, wake, wake the neighbors, you know, preferably with a phone call. I don't know. Your pets might enjoy it. If you leave uh, your house in the morning for yeah. a few hours, you might play it for your companion animal. They yeah. might enjoy it as well. And uh, rate the Which sh- you can't do if you're not, rate if you're the not sh- listening rate to Rate the show on iTunes. Right. Rate the show on iTunes. You don't have to leave a review to rate it. Just go and hit the stars right. on iTunes. That helps us out a little bit. And if you want to leave a review, boy, that'd be great. It's if awesome. It's, if it's a five-star review. <laughs> this is a, You're this, very touchy about it. You're worse <laughs> than the car dealers. They're that way. You got, they're going to call you, and you got to give every, the answer five to every question. There's a lot of customer service you know, there mechanisms some, there out there some now. Car that, dealer stuff in the news this week. All right, we're not going to get to that though. Maybe, maybe another show. Oh, the uh, the Tesla stuff. Yeah, the Tesla stuff, that and then stuff, how they, ugh. you know, the, the anti competitiveness of yeah. the middlemen in that industry. It really burns my onion. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard that phrase but before. Surreal. I really don't like that. I really don't like that dealer protection stuff. Do not like it. Yeah, it's it's totally anti free market, right? Um, it's preventing a kind of creative destruction of because you know what right. I think. But yeah, my dislike for it has nothing. I'm not being. It's I don't dislike it because I'm dogmatic about that sort of thing. I don't like it because I think it's fundamentally anti consumer, and right. and I think that's deeply problematic. And you have to defend that if you're gonna if you're gonna take a step that is otherwise quite obviously anti consumer, mm-hmm. you have to be able to justify it. 
Here's in, a, what, in a fairly uh, solid, particularized fashion. And they simply can't do that in here, this case. Here's what I want to do, Joe. This is what I want to do. Okay. All right. I want to be able to go onto a website. I want to be able to select the car that I want. I want to hit buy. I want to have some way to pay the money. Boy, I'd like to have a way to pay the money. Uh, and then um, so go to be a, a financing and then go to a place. Yeah, maybe. I don't right. know. Or, you know, or paying cash. Or cash or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Competition. I want to go to the place where the cars are. You know, or where up. they deliver the car, and they'll yep. give me a delivery date, right. like Amazon or and something. Show up and pick and it up. I show up and I pick it up. I don't want to test drive. I really don't. I don't, you know, that's... You used to have to test drive. I don't think you have to test drive anymore. Uh, I, and look, the place where you pick up cars could also allow for test driving for people who are interested in doing it. So you don't even need, right, You because you could just have a sample of some of the cars there to drive. Yeah, I don't even think you need to drive them. You can sit in them. If you're worried about, like, whether you fit whatever. it and how tall yeah. it is and, you know, whether the seat feels comfortable, you can sit in them. Right. Test driving is, you know, for people, I like. I only want the car to drive a certain way. Or, you know, I didn't like the way it drove. Nonsense. I say nonsense. Okay. We'll come back to that one, I think. You know. Sure. Okay, that's not what the show's about. This is about the uh, U.S. News and World Report rankings uh, of which law were schools. released uh, this week. Of law schools. Of, of all schools, but in particular, we're going to talk about I understand, law schools. We're, but we're talking about law schools. I guess, unless you want to talk about medical schools or something. Not really. Okay. Um, I don't know even where to start with this, Joe. What do you, what do you think about these rankings? <laughs> it's an embarrassment what, of riches. What, uh, so, so uh, you know, our own school, which we won't name because we, we don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh I guess moved up in the rankings a little bit. I guess you know we were in a, a like in a fifty way tie for one ranking, and now we're in a fifty way tie for a slightly higher ranking. It's not fifty ways; it's like a five way tie or three way tie. I don't know how much it is, but our number, then you know, the rank has increased by a couple of ordinals or something like that. True. So I understand. Some years it goes down a couple. Some years it goes up a couple. Um, sometimes schools move way up and way down. All right, so first of all, let me just, what what do you think about rarely I should say they move way up and way down. That's the exception. That is atypical. Um I wonder if in the last few years there have been if the if the median size of the jump. Yeah, it's probably in some of the stuff that I've looked at, but has I don't changed. I don't remember. Cuz I've sensed more volatility in the last 5 years or so. I could I could just be remembering something salient that's actually not unusual or whatever. But uh, so yeah, so I I've I did a little preparation for the show, Joe. Cool. Um, and we're gonna put some uh, uh, some references in the in the show notes. Got some links in the show notes. Got, yeah, just go to hydrotex.com slash oral dash argument and uh, and that's or you just go to hydrotex dot com and click on oral argument and that's where you get to. You our page and you can see the show notes there by clicking Free on the episode. show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So click on uh, the episode title and you'll see the show. Um, notes. But if you're listening in a podcast app on your mobile device or elsewhere, the show notes are usually right in there. So, oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, so you can click on it right there. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to get a sense. Let's ease into this one, Joe. Okay. U.S. News and World Report rankings. Yeah. Bad or terrible in your view? <laughs> um, bad or terrible? Uh, I, you know. Uh, so many dimensions on which to address it. Look, I, I, one important thing that I think needs to be said is uh, is that uh, I understand the impulse from the perspective of would-be law students. Of course, yeah. Who w- want more information that mm-hmm. will help them make what they 
will feel is a better decision about where to go to school. Over something truly consequential. Yeah. It's a hugely consequential decision. It's, it's consequential <coughs> not least because of the amount of money it takes yeah. to, to obtain a law degree. And time. And that's not inconsiderable. But yes, three years of their lives, it's your career. Um, it's, ve- it's, a, it's a choice that once you make it and you make those investments, it's very hard to just jump into some other parallel or, uh, or unrelated track of your life because you'll have this right. huge debt in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, to deal with. So, so it's, it, as you say, extremely consequential. So I think it's good that people who are about to make a really consequential decision have a hunger for information that will help them make a better decision. Right. So I understand the impulse fr- from the audience perspective. Why do I want to have something like this? Right. To look at something that purports to be informative about the differences among these options in a manner in which i can consume right that i'm shopping for so so some of that information the law school admissions council i think has you know you can go to their website they have data pages about the individual law schools and you could make an excel spreadsheet of your own uh maybe the law school admission council website itself even has some sort of compare functionality i don't actually know i haven't looked at it in years um so so you know you can there are other places to go to get some of this information but you know, a great deal of of the a great deal of the way this appetite for information is satisfied is people, students, would be law students right. looking at US news. Right. And can I, I get into a top ten law school? If I can get into a top ten law school, maybe I won't even look at ten through at eleven through twenty or twenty through thirty. Or can I get into a top hundred law school rather than going to what U.S. News calls a tier two school? I don't remember what they right. So you're not, yeah. now you're starting to go through the psychology of what it's like to be a reader who's making certain decisions. I'm just trying to get on the table the fact that there is um, there is a sense in which if U.S. News rankings didn't exist, someone would have to invent them. So it's filling a need. Right. It fills it well or poorly. You can ev- make a value an evaluation of that. As I'm, as we no doubt will, but my what I'm trying to get on the table is the need out there, yeah, among prospective law students is real and profound. Yeah, and I think this is not unlike a whole range of consumer products or services uh, that are very expensive, that are very consequential, and as to which there is an enormous asymmetry of information. Yes. Um, so law schools. Uh, and people in the law school industry know a lot more about their products than the people who are going to be consuming them. Uh, and it's very hard. Uh, I, you know, I can't go visit 200 schools no. or 100 schools if I'm a uh, prospective student. And even if I did, I can tell you when I was a, um, um, when my kids were young and we were looking at different like nursery schools, preschools, we went and we visited a few. And the people there acted as though we should be able to detect from a visit you know, exactly what was distinctive about their school. But in fact, you go in, and if it's a good school, there'll be teachers doing interesting things. But it's basically a bunch of kids sitting around in a room with a lot of stuff around to do. <laughs> and uh, and teachers hopefully leading some kind of, you know, di- you know, directing in some kind of way some interesting play or interest. You know, th- my point is that it's, it was very hard as a parent to know what mattered uh, and what the long-term everyday experience would be. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, what what the sum of the everyday experience of your child would be at these preschools was hard to detect, even by going and spending considerable time actually observing it. Um, and, and, and doing so in a context where 
you could not possibly care more right about getting it right right than you cared in that moment right so it's not about the degree to which you really care about getting it right that's right and and it felt very consequential uh um and it seemed like the choice m- when I say consequential, I mean, it seems like the choice matters a lot, not just that consuming the service matters a lot, because, of course, preschool is important. But it felt like, you know, it was a choice you could easily get really right, kind of right or really wrong um, uh, when you make it. But it's not clear how you go about figuring out which is the really right, kind of right or really wrong choice. Um, no, so that's on the need side. The challenge, if I could just I feel like I'm hijacking a little but, bit. But it's, let me just say this, too. On the faculty side also. Like if you're figuring you want to be a law professor and you want to figure out where to go teach, how do you how do you figure that out? Or if you're trying to place an article in a journal, uh, and there are like 200 journals, this is going to be a completely separate episode of the show about law journals. Right. Uh, um, but same kind of problem there. You need a way to figure out you know which is which is the placement that you prefer, um, and you need some kind of ranking to do that. And you need at least your own mental model. Right. But who has the time to put together their own mental model of 300 law journals? Right. So inevitably, you're going to piggyback on someone else's uh, rankings. Right. Now, the and there, are, there are a bunch out there. Yeah, there are. Washington Lee Law School citation study is the yeah. one that I have certainly made use of. But we, you know, My sense is people use an amalgam of that in U.S. News. Yeah. Um, so that was on the, that's on the need side. Where's the appetite coming from? On the challenge side of what, is, what would it be like to try to fill this need in a way that's smart and accurate. Uh, one of the complexities, I think, that that is much more apparent now in, in this uh, softer demand for lawyer uh, laborers <laughs> uh, is the fact that uh, the, the market for students if I could use that expression, the mm-hmm. schools who are yeah. out there trying to attract students, right? <laughs> the market for students is is plainly national, uh, and deeply so. Uh, the market for the law student as a worker afterward, though, um, is is still in many ways regional. Mm-hmm. Now it has a national layer, right? But I don't think that layer is particularly deep. Yeah. And so you've got these, you've got people shopping in a national market for schools. You've got schools shopping for students in a national market. But on the out, at the other end of the thing, right. the other end of the box, the the market they're entering is more regionalized, and and that and and it's hard to get that coordinated. Right, region is a um, is a characteristic that the law school may use to sell itself. It may, but right. it, it's a but way it, for regional school for for re- schools you think of as regional to hold on to some of the best students who might otherwise have gone and done a national, uh, uh, just compared schools nationally. The fact that it's near parents or where you grew up may be a, a good thing. The right. fact that it's in New York and you want to live in New York may be a selling point. I mean, um, so regionalism is an aspect of the service that the schools provide this, uh, rather than being a balkanized way of delivering the, the good. Correct. It, um but it's again, it's complex. So the fact that, so for example, um, in this, in given the release of the latest news, uh, U.S. news numbers, uh, the fate of a bunch of California law schools in those rankings, uh, the complaints by the deans of those schools that the problem with the current 
formula and there's you, one could we're going to go through this yeah, yeah but my but i wanted it's a point about regionalization yeah so that these california law deans i as i understand their point is that uh the component of the formula that looks at employment after graduation um is necessarily regional in some respect uh and yet, there's no correction made to the formula for the region in which the school is located. So if that region is overall enjoying a greater or lesser degree of unemployment, right? enjoy is obviously an infelicitous word in that yeah, sentence, yeah, yeah, yeah. experiencing mm-hmm. a greater or lesser degree of unemployment, you, a, a sophisticated statistician might say that there's an occasion where you know, having a regional uh, adjustment factor – in the equation would make the output more informative. All right, all right. So yeah. it's, it, it, why am I bringing all this up? Simply to say, getting this accurate, reliable thing, this is really hard to do well. Right. I certainly haven't tried to do it. I don't know very many people who have tried. Of course, the failures would be kept under wraps. So you're in a situation where U.S. News you know, for lack of a better alternative, it's not like there are a whole lot of other ones out there that are as as bad as U.S. News may be. It's not like there's a lot of alternatives. All right. That, here's what I want to do. I'm going to throw out a few questions. Cool. Um, and we're not going to answer them. We're going to keep them in mind. And then I want to step through what U.S. News actually does. Okay, and cool. get your feedback on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and tease my solution to this whole thing. Ooh. All right. Let's just take this year's U.S. News rankings, or last year's, I don't care. Those are the rankings for all time. Forget it. Those are the rankings. Okay, so we'll come back to that suggestion uh, at the end. You look puzzled. I am. I thought you said you were going to first walk through what they do. Well, I am, but I want to throw so out why a few don't you questions. Do that? I, I'm, I, teased, I teased my solution. Now I'm going to... Uh, uh, throw out a few questions for us just to keep in mind. Um, maybe you'll have some to add, but uh, we won't try to answer these right away. But then I want to talk about how the U.S. news actually works and what some of the critiques are. Okay. Sound like a good plan? Yes. And again, my solution is let's just take this year's and let those be the rankings for all time. Never do rankings again. Those are just the rankings. Okay. All right. So here's some questions. First, what are we trying to measure? The truth is I don't know. What are we trying to measure? Number two, are we measuring what we think we're trying to measure? This is when I say we. Is U.S. News measuring what we think ought to be measured? That's a basic question. Don't you agree that's a basic question? I do. Okay. Um, and and, and uh, the third one, this is really my concern because ultimately I don't care what the rankings say. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, it's, I don't care in the abstract what the rankings are. Like, I take no particular pride in being from a school that's ranked a certain ranking, you know, psychologically. What I do care about is the effect of a particular ranking on the behavior of the market participants. Okay, so what effect do the U.S. News rankings have on the behaviors of students and on the behaviors of law school administrations? Um, so, for example, maybe you would find out that the effect of this ranking mechanism is a pattern of on, on the on the sides of administrations um, manipulation either honest manipulation or dishonest manipulation 
and scheming and and trying basically trying to hit the numbers teaching to the test right right uh and among law students you might see either virtuous behavior or non-virtuous behavior in terms of like you know are they engaging in uh, market transactions which will benefit them in the long run i don't know i mean so that so i think you'd want to find out what are the effects of the rankings on the choices and behaviors of law students and alumni and what are the effects of the rankings on uh, on, and that's in addition to whatever, whether you think rankings in general are a good idea, whatever ranking you choose, what are the knock on effects from having the ranking? Sure. Um, all right. That, so those are my basic questions that I would want answered here. Um, and can I, you do them one more time? Just yeah, so, super fast. What are we trying to measure? What, or which includes what should we be trying to measure Ooh. to serve the functions that I think you laid out? Like to provide information that will help people make choices that they themselves value, right? Right. Um, but also understanding that we are kind of taste makers, right? And that um, anyway. So we'll get into that maybe later. Are we measuring through the U.S. news rankings or through maybe alternative rankings what we think uh, we should be trying to measure? So, given the answer to one, are yeah. we even succeeding? Are we succeeding? Right. Um, and then the third is what is the effect on behavior? Okay. Of a particular kind of ranking. Okay. All right. That, so, so I thought, let's get into how these scores are calculated. Okay. I'll just give you a, qu- a quick summary. U.S. News uses 12 measures, 12 different factors. And each of these factors is given a forced mean and forced standard deviation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, whatever the scale, whether it's one to five or, you know, uh, one to three million in terms of like numbers of books in a law library or right. something like that, uh, you, you calculate a mean. Uh, you, you, then you reassign that mean to a particular value and you give it a four standard deviation. Basically, you force all of these 12 factors into, a, uh, into some kind of normal distribution. Yeah. Even though the underlying data are, in fact, not normal and sometimes capped, like undergraduate GPA right. uh, or LSAT can't go above 180. Uh, but we're assuming kind of a normal uh, distribution. All right, then these factors are weighted, so some factors count for more than others, and by weighting, it just means you multiply them by a fraction, uh, and then you just add up all these factors, okay? And then you readjust by uh, whatever score the top school has is 100, the bottom school is, gi- the bottom school is given a score of zero, and the other, score, uh, other schools are given a uh, percentage, uh, a score based on their percentage away from the top. Right. Uh, and then there's rounding. Okay, so uh, a school which gives which gets a score of twenty five point eight, and a school uh, which gives a, uh, which gets a score of twenty six point two, are both rounded to twenty six, and they are tied in the U.S. News rankings. Okay, okay. Um, so far, so good. Yep. Yeah. You see, lots of problems already. Well, especially with the forcing everything into a normal distribution when it's not normally distributed. Yeah. All right. So. Academic reputation among peers. So, well, the, the first, um, I guess, I guess the the, the reputational uh, measures, and there are two: reputation among academic peers and rec- reputation among uh, judges and practitioners. Together, those count for forty percent of the score. And uh, this is uh, uh, expressed through a survey instrument that's sent yes. out to people and gets returned, right? And they can twenty-five percent law schools, fifteen percent lawyers and practitioners. Uh, and it's a one to five scale. So they, they send out letters apparently uh, to law schools and they send letters out to uh, lawyers and judges and they have various techniques for trying to get these things out to the right people, I guess. 
Um, and, and each person marks all the other law schools on a scale of one to five, five being the best, one being the worst. And they average all those things together and put it on this uh, scale like we mentioned earlier. Right. And to the law schools, they send out one of these surveys to the dean, uh, the academic dean. This is associate dean for research or associate dean for uh, academics, vice dean, what, you know, whatever it is. It's a different thing. Uh, and the chair of the appointments committee. This is the committee that, you know, evaluates hiring, faculty hiring for the law school and the most recently tenured faculty. Mm-hmm. Um, all those people fill out forms and that's 25% of the score. Now, um, I should point out here, I never got one of these forms. Okay. I think I'm, are not, am I not the most recently tenured? I don't know. Not, well, I was tenured last year. Okay. Was anyone uh, else? Yeah, several other people were. Okay, then well, maybe one of them got it. And well, see, that's what I, is it just does it just go out to one or does it I go out to all of them? I I looked at the website. No idea. We're going to put the website. Uh, this is the U.S. News description of its own methodology on the in the in the show notes, and you can see. I never got it. So okay. if the U.S. News folks are listening, um, and a form came from me, that wasn't mine. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what happened. Okay. Um, okay, to, to be real quick here, the, uh, so that's 40% of the score. 25% of the score is is based on what they call selectivity of the law school, which is 12.5% for the median LSAT, 10% for the median undergraduate GPA, and 2.5% for the acceptance rate. This is the number of... Uh, Ratio of admitted to, apl- to, to total applications. applicants right? yeah. Okay, so... Uh, what's interesting there is that the median LSAT, of course, is is the the middle score, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you want that number to be as high as possible, and you have a, sc- a law school with 180 people, right, 180 in, in each class, you want that top 90, right, to be as high as possible, right? The bottom 90 doesn't matter, right? See a problem, Joe. Do I see a problem? Yeah, yeah. I see an incentive effect, yes. Yes, okay. And the same thing with under, undergraduate GPA. If you can, you know, if, if you have a law school with, say, 90 entering uh, uh, 1Ls, if you can get 45 of them to have very high undergraduate GPAs, and it doesn't matter that you have, like, through the roof undergraduate GPA, but, you, can, you know, if you can get 4.0s, maybe 3.9, all the way down to that 45th person, you can let the rest of them don't matter for U.S. news purposes. Statistically, correct. Yeah. Uh acceptance rate also easily manipulable and so there are law schools which uh because you'd want to you'd want to maximize the number of applications received right while minimizing the number of people admitted to fill the seats right so if you are a uh so what you want is as many people as possible to apply whether they have any chance of getting in or not correct which means waiving application fees Right. So for yeah, and and I when I say things like yes in in, in as you're describing something, I'm saying within the frame of reference of the variable itself, mm-hmm. and every one of these variables has incentive effects. Now, none of those effects exists in a universe isolated in itself. Right? It's yeah. interacting with lots of things. So just for an example, a quick example, you mentioned that with respect to the variable itself, considered in isolation. You'd want to hit, you know, the 45th student to have as high a GPA as you could get, and then you wouldn't care about the bottom half. Right. You wouldn't care from the perspective of that variable. Right. You'd care very much in the sense that a school where 
you didn't care about the GPAs of the of the other half of the students right. might not be the kind of school that the students in the first half would want to be in. That's right. So there are many incentive effects that interact. So you one step is thinking through what are the incentives of this variable considered by itself, and then what are all the other incentives that also exist? Right. You have to think about student and behavior how do they interact and administration. And, correct. Right. It may well be that there are a bunch of students who uh, are you know, top flight GPA and LSAT students uh, who would like to be at a school where at least half of the people were so under-credentialed that they didn't have to worry about them. It's entirely possible. Um, or, or they might want them to be as highly credentialed as they are so the quality of what they experience in the classroom would be as high as it could be. It's There's a enormously broad range Two more of big possibilities factors. here. Two more big factors, Joe. Placement, 20%. This is placing students. So at graduation, number of students hired at graduation or percentage hired at graduation counts for 4% of the score. Employed at nine months, 14%. Um, and bar passage rate, 2%. Uh, and, bar and passage rate in the state where most of this, where the majority of the students that's right. take their bar exam. That, that's right. And um, So that, that one is adjusted, interestingly, in ways that employment data are not. Right. So, uh, you know, California schools may have... Um, he may not call it an advantage, but that score is higher for lower bar passage rates. So when we say bar passage rate, what we mean is relative to the other, relative to the total pass rate. For people in that state. Of, of, of people in that state, right. Um, uh, and some weight for jobs. The weight's given, uh, greater weight is given to jobs that last longer than a year. There's uh, less lesser weight given for jobs which don't require a JD or which are less permanent. So there's yeah. some effort to try to And that's to a variable that's jobs. undergone the most change in the last few years. Okay. Finally, resources. Okay, and this is a big one. Uh, well, it only counts for 15%, but again, it doesn't so much matter what the weighting is. It What matters is the variability among the different variables, fair, right? Fair, fair uh, so uh, expenditures per student counts for a little more than 10%. This is the, just the amount the law school spends mm -hmm. uh, per, per student. Per student. Uh, Student-faculty ratio counts for 3%, and the total number of volumes in the library. This is uh, the, the library factor. counts for 0.75%. That's it. That's it. All of these, all of these uh, are normalized. Uh, summed. Summed. Re-anchored 1 to 0 to 100. 0 to 100. Boom. That's it. And scores spit out, and including ties with a rounding step. That's right. Yeah. Um, let me, you may just go over a couple critiques others have made. Sure. Yeah. So uh, one's Brian Leiter, who's well known. He's got a big, he's got a, a big law school blog. He's at Chicago now. Uh, he's written an open letter to Bob Morris, the U.S. news guy, um, pointing out that in order to improve their rankings, law schools engage in what he calls, quote, manipulation, trickery, and at worst, deceit. <laughs> um, the problem is that half of the total score depends on completely manipulable data. Um, the reputational surveys are the one part, uh, or one of the few parts, which aren't totally open to law school manipulation, uh, but they're really sticky. And as uh, and he points to an article, which we'll also link up by Jeffrey Evans Stake, um, uh, he's one of my favorite academics, by the way. He's mm. in Indiana. Uh, from some years ago, this article was... Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. This is in the late 90s, which showed that um, the reputational ranks tended to lag or track U.S. news rankings. Right? So just think about this. If you got this form with 200 law schools on it, yeah. and you're asked to rank them, 
over time, people internalize the U.S. news rankings themselves in the right. absence of good. Like, I don't know what's going on at other schools. Okay, and we'll go into how schools try to get me to know what's going on at their schools, which is very annoying. But we can do uh, that. Yeah. but these <coughs> these uh, um, in fact seem to track U.S. news pretty well. Uh, the reputational, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, th- so those are those are the one part not open to manipulation, but they not be may not be all that meaningful. Um, he also says that they should eliminate expenditures because that is so open to manipulation. So here's one problem you can have. We pay more per student if we pay our faculty more. So let's just increase faculty salaries, mm. right? Increase tuition to pay for that, right? Uh, but then give a lot of tuition waivers or tuition scholarships. Okay. All right. So you're basically raising money to. So the upshot is that you can all by spending more money in ways that don't improve instruction. Supposedly, maybe by paying faculty more, you attract better faculty. I mean, there are all these different things that could go into it. But right. uh, the idea that you can really improve your score just by dumping money into the law school in some way um, is uh, open to manipulation. Yes. So he recommends getting rid of it. So does uh, Theodore Sito. Uh, but not sure. Do you We're know not sure that? how to pronounce that, but yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he wrote a really great paper, which we're also going to link up, in which he produces a model which was intended to reproduce the U.S. News and World Report results. So he uses their methodology. There are lots of missing things, like how do you measure this? How do you measure that? He attempts to try to figure some of this yeah. out. He produces a model and shows that it tracks very, very closely to the U.S. News model yeah. and then looks at its reliability and accuracy and everything else. Now, my sense is that if you ask yourself why would there be unstated things or why would it be hard for someone like Professor Cito to produce this model that tracks very closely – well, you know, U.S. News, because this is a real moneymaker for them as a publication, right? Um, of course, they want there to be some secret sauce. Right. So that they're the only ones who can produce the rankings. Right. Because if it's a totally transparent exercise, uh, we don't need them to do it. We could do it ourselves. Right. And they don't have an interest in that. They have an interest in creating a ranking system that cannot be easily reproduced. Well, which like, is itself right. a source of not manipulation by the participants in the ranking, but by the ranker, right? right? The person doing the ranking. You want at least some aspect of secret formula. Yeah. Uh, so that it resists replication right. by, by independent parties. Well, his model shows a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, a lot of interesting stuff. So one thing is uh, that it's just an artifact of this normalization and combination that it does. The way that you kind of normalize each factor and add them all together. And he shows, for example, in there that if... Uh, the last place school, um, is it uh, either improves or decreases? I forget. Well, you, people can look it up. But it either improves or decreases its placement, right? Um, but not in a way that affects its own rank. Uh, then, in fact, this will cause other schools to change their rankings, right? So the last place school, I think it's the last place school actually decreases its placement, um, uh, success with students some, by some percentage or something. Um, what he shows is, and he goes through and gives specific, specific examples of schools in his model, which would jump like five places right. or lose. And he says, you know, so what would happen is there would be like champagne and celebration at a few schools and, uh, and, and raised voices and finger pointing at other schools, even though nothing changed except for the last place school did a little of an worse entirely different school. Right. right. So it's a weird, it's this weird, I, I read the paper some years ago and I, and I have only the vaguest recollection of it, but, but it is, I do remember thinking at the time from that example and other examples that it, it is, it is not 
uh, you're not paying a compliment to a statistical exercise if you show that uh, it's subject to these sort of wild perturbations that come from very small changes. It's like, right. cause you know, you're not, it, you're not getting these big changes because you're measuring something so good and your instrument is so fine tuned and you're actually saying, no, it, these are all statistical artifacts. It's all fake. Right. It's fake movement. Fake in the sense that people think it means something about their choices and their behavior when actually it's attributed to something they have nothing to do with. And by the way, they don't even know about. Well, there are forces that are beyond your control. And beyond your knowledge. Right, right, right. It's not, you Um, don't even know they're happening. But the things within your control, that's also what I'm kind of worried about. So, you know, he produces in there uh, a chart uh, which shows, I guess it's on average, I'd have to look back at it, but the the degree to which you'd have to improve any one factor to improve your rank by one. Right? And it can be fairly, and so there is, for your particular school, there may be some low-hanging fruit or some and, and, this, and, if you is, and thought, this is on the assumption that no one else is also trying to change or what what's the simple right assumption yeah, yeah, that, yeah 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 these are the things that made a difference right and so what would improve what would that's improve you by one rank but, right <laughs> and uh you know if you thought all these things were virtuous then maybe that's okay you do want people to go after the low-hanging fruit sure. um uh but i don't know for example look at the reputation ranks okay um i've never filled one of these out um, I don't think I would fill it out. Okay. Uh, our school, I think, is a 3.1 average, and it's tied with, like, I don't know, eight other schools at 3.1, some of which are ranked higher, some of which are ranked lower. Um, and then there are a whole bunch of schools which are ranked a 3.2. Okay. And you can see they're probably, how many law schools are there? A couple hundred? Like 200. Yeah. And and it sounds like there are um, at least three surveys sent to each school. Maybe more. Uh, well, I, and maybe there's no recently tenured person at some school. So I don't know what the average number uh, sent out is. I think the uh, the rate at which uh, the, the response rate for that is about 70-something percent. So it's mm. pretty high. Okay. Um, that is high. I don't know how many surveys there are. Maybe it's 500. Maybe it's more. Uh, so, so there's a lot of averaging that goes on. But I don't know. what would, I think it sounds like there are a lot of threes. <laughs> Right, sounds like a lot of you look at it. Sounds like a lot of threes, right. and so what you're trying which, to which do, happens to be the midpoint of a five point scale. Yeah, and and you know, so if you're a school ranked from I don't know twenty to a hundred, a lot of people are going to say three, right, and then they're going to save the fours for you know the schools which they think are a notch above, and maybe the five for if you. This is if people are just honestly filling out the form, right, trying to identify quality. No, I think if they were also if they were honest in the filling out the form, there's also probably for any individual person who completes the form, they're probably leaving a lot of them blank, right? Because they think, well, I don't know anything about that place. Those aren't averaged in, which makes everybody else's responses on the ones that they do know about. Uh, more consequential. That's true. I'm just trying to get get to what is an honest response look like. And it seems to me it looks like a lot of blanks and it looks like a lot of threes and a much smaller number of fours and almost no yeah. fives. This is something we don't or have. Two, or twos or ones. This is something we don't have data on. I don't know if someone could do a study to try to tease this out of the data that we do have. But of course, the incentive is to rank your own school five and all the other schools one, right? Sure. I mean, in a purely self-serving way, yes. I mean, I wonder how many of those responses they get. So that would be the most strategic response, I think. I mean, I'd want to think a little bit more about whether you would actually be advantaged by um, maybe giving more schools. I, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about this. And then how you factor in the fact that you, like, 
it is a it, it's sort of hard to know what the right way to think about it because you say you say that and then you realize well wait a minute but if everyone does that right then what's the point yeah prisoner's dilemma and then so why not just answer honestly and maybe oh, everyone because the other people might do it, whatever your own behavior no but no because maybe the other people will reach the same insight i just did which is we might as well all just answer honestly but why would they do that joe these are because all anonymous just, these are all anonymous well then why doesn't everyone do the five and ones maybe they do maybe they do yeah we don't know uh, clearly some people don't because there are you know yale and harvard and stanford's reputation are i think around 4.8 although the data show they've been falling the reputation of the top 20 have been falling over time a little bit i feel like we're i feel like we're nibbling at the fringe of this topic and i feel like there's a there's a heart of darkness that we're trying to get to here so let's get you're annoyed there. by the details i'm not annoyed by the details i think people need to know the details because it shows I, the, the details are manipulation the details are important but the unless this is to be a six-hour episode and i assure you dear listeners it will not be um, we wouldn't begin to actually get through enough detail to make a difference on the detail dimension. No, People- we're not trying to do that. I, I just, I, I think that understanding like just the, from our perspective, like the one thing that we would fill out would be this peer reputation score. It appears to be the weightiest factor or among the weightiest factors. The, 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 the lawyer judge reputation score has about a 30% response rate. Um, and who knows how they're chosen. So I don't know what it means. But on ours, I'm just trying to think of how I would even fill this out, this apparently weighty thing. Yeah. And, and if it's not going to be strategic, then maybe you would fill out no response for a whole bunch of them. Um, maybe you would give a lot of threes. I don't know. I do know that as someone who was supposed to fill out one of these forms this year, I got a ton of mail, a ton of mail from right. every law school in the country just about telling me how wonderful their colloquium program was this right. year how many visitors they have uh now I'm, the, look, I'm in, gonna call out valparaiso my mom is an alum of valparaiso college maybe it's university but she was the college she went there for undergrad yeah their law school sends out tons and tons it, it's lessened a little bit there was one year it was particularly bad yeah. but they still send the stuff out and maybe now they're just an average offender rather than unusual offender offender shall we tell our listeners what this uh, stuff is referred to in the trade sure yeah you can why don't you tell them no you you do it. Why should I do it? I don't know. I think you should do it. Because I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You've been the one receiving it. I don't. Yeah, I have received a what lot of it. What does this stuff look like? It looks like junk mail. It, junk mail looks like a lot of different things. What Wait, kind of junk mail? It's the, the, the glossy. So uh, they can. it ranges from lengthy, full-color um, uh, magazines. Okay. Right? Some, trumpeting um, um, all the accomplishments. What kind of paper? Cheap? No, glossy paper. Oh, this is like magazine paper. So high production values. Other, others, other, other uh, um, mail looks like um, postcards, full color postcards. So that was the thing from Valparaiso. I would get like a full color postcard about what size? Some visitor. Um, what would it be like? Um, like postcards. Like if you went on a vacation and you got one of the, like the larger size postcards. Okay. Um, and there would be a color picture of some person who you don't know. And, uh, and about, you know, either the talk they're going to give or their role or what they're going to teach. Like this makes any difference to me. I can't, I can't figure out why, you know, all this stuff immediately goes into the junk mail. The funny thing is you, you actually, and I'll, I'll speak personally so that I'm not, I'm not making a point about you, uh, at, at the point in my career when I received such stuff and people call it law porn. This is what many law professors refer to it as law porn. Um, and there's, it's not. There's nothing titillating about it. I assure everyone. Um, but uh, 
when I was receiving this stuff, the truth is we have no idea whether or not it affects positively or negatively or not at all our assessment if we were filling out that form. Right. Like right. every yeah. other bit of marketing material that we're exposed to, <laughs> and we're all relentlessly exposed to marketing materials of every shape, size, and kind. Yeah, but w- with most advertising, like TV advertising yeah. that we all think is stupid and why do they do it? You know, And you, the usual answer is if it didn't work, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. And they have more data on whether it works than we do. Yep. And so shut up. Uh, you know, If you don't like yeah. our ads, don't watch them, but they, they make us more money. Correct. I mean, and so people who are aping that behavior in the, in the context of this law stuff – I don't think they have the kind of feedback mechanism of purchasing behavior that someone who's marketing candy bars does. However, (laughs) they might think to themselves, you know, but see, here's the thing. The, the, Why not do what they right. do? And because maybe a similar mechanism will be in play. We don't know, but let's try it. Right. So this is the one. And they might be right. This is the one feature of the U.S. Well, one of the only features of the U.S. news methodology that can't be directly manipulated. Right by a dean right you can't just spend more money and automatically produce more uh a higher reputation rank uh you can't yes. just buy more volumes and put it in the library you can't right. uh because it's mediated through the evaluations of people filling right. out the service correct and so, and so what are you going to do you're going to because so we've got a 3.1 if we got a 3.2 we might improve one ordinal right, right? if we improve one ordinal maybe that puts us in a five-way tie for 25th place instead of for 29th place. Right. right? And uh, therefore, it's easier to attract s- students with a stronger statistical profile of undergrad GPA right. or LSAT score, and that that itself will raise our score even more. Right. Uh, and that makes it easier to raise money among alumni. It makes higher employment stats, maybe, for right. some people who are making hiring decisions. And then it makes it easier to move into another bracket. Right. You know, so, you know, the, the press release comes out. You know, we're now a top 25 law school. Because it's making the mechanism that people using this ranking number itself as a way to inform their own decisions about where to go to school, who to hire, right. etc. That means that People who want to have better outcomes on those things will look to influence that number. Of course, yeah, it makes it's perfect. It's perfectly sensible, and that so they would do it. All kinds of glossy stuff is sent all over to every professor everywhere who might be voting in this thing, um, and trumpeting various accomplishments and all the people who are visiting, right. in the hopes that, and, and so we don't have all the data, but in the hopes that a few more people will check four rather than three. And in, I mean, a, and in a world where none of that money has been spent and none of those things have been sent in that alternate universe, uh, the score that school received from those people might actually have been lower or higher or higher. We don't, or the same. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just this is part of what it means not to know. We don't know whether that stuff is influential positively or negatively. Yeah. Well, see, what I don't know is all whether, kinds of theories about I it, don't know but, whether the sophisticated players in this, which I assume are law school administrations which have money to spend on and i think let me just say this if if i were a law school administrator i would think seriously about bringing a statistician full-time onto the faculty um not not as a not maybe not on the faculty but as onto the law school staff right i actually think that could be a virtuous thing uh, for studying all kinds of things that might actually improve the law school (laughs) right rather than the law school's ranking but i think you're uh, you're but i wonder if any of these uh, um, sophisticated programs actually have statisticians running models to do this stuff. I mean, you know, here's an example of one paper that we've been talking about from 2007. Um, the CETO paper. Yeah, yeah. Are there not, you know, statisticians on some of these uh, in, in the administrations of some law schools who are running models and and 
pointing at what levers to and looking at the return on investment for for the law porn that goes out. I don't know. This, to me, it seems crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of effort to try to get a few more people to check a three rather than a two or a four rather than a three or to check a three when they would have checked nothing at all uh, to balance out strategic behavior. Now, what about this? Of course, if if, if I were uh, um, completely amoral, right, and my only goal were to improve our law school's ranking, and maybe I even thought that this was a moral thing to do because I'm improving the stake. You know, our alumni stock goes up if our ranking goes up, even though it has nothing to do with the ranking of the law school back when they were in law school. Mm, fair point. Um, so I might think this is just doing a service to the people I'm charged with representing. Um, wh- why wouldn't I call up, uh, why wouldn't I form a little coalition among a few other schools? You know, I'm going to rank you a five. You rank us a five. You know, and I, this is for, schools which otherwise wouldn't be in competition. So if I'm ranked 30th, why don't I call up a school which is in the third tier or something like that and say, you know, how about I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Are there little confederacies of law schools doing this? I, I have no idea. I assume not, but I've got no way of, of knowing. Yeah. How would I, we ever I, know I, this? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. It's, it's, it's not, it would not... I sitting here right now cannot think of a reason why it would be irrational... Um, to try to enter such a uh, agreement. So, okay. So back to our questions. You could even, and you could even dress it up in a, dress it up. You could, you could even believe, um, you know, I'm going to call that person and I'm calling them because I, because I know they do think the school that I'm at is great. Right. And I know them and I know the school they're at is great. So it's not even like we're lying. Right. Like I want to enter the agreement because I just want to make sure that we both realize how important it would be for us to actually fill out the survey right. with our honest beliefs. Right. Rather than skip it, fail to return it, whatever. Right. And, and we, the point is we have no idea whether any of this goes on. No. We have no idea how – I mean, we have some idea of how U.S. News treats its uh, spending data. We also don't know what effect it would have if they did it because of CETO's insight that very small, weird statistical things can send this whole thing sideways. In ways right. that are completely difficult to predict, right? So we don't we don't know that people are or aren't doing it, and we also don't know what e- efficacy it would have if they did do it, right? You'd have to, yeah. It's not it's obvious. Very that strange. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's right. Um, I guess we don't know, and and U.S. News hasn't you know it hasn't released granular data other than I guess the and never will the, the aggregate um, reputation score, right? Three point one, three point two, four point eight, that sort of thing. And I, I suppose never will. But boy, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? To see it how much be. strategic voting there is and whether yep. there are patterns. And, um, but it's hugely consequential. Yep. So my problem is not... Okay, so let's zoom out a little bit. Mm. So you seem to want, want to zoom out of the details. But I think it's important to look at... I, I just wanted to give a flavor for the uh, manipulability of some of these yep. factors. And even the ones which aren't seen as manipulable. How difficult they are to get any kind of handle on. Yeah, um, It's all very squirrely. Whether they reflect anything real. And so going back to, you know, what are we trying to measure? You know, are we hitting what we're trying to measure? Um, the CETO paper makes some headway on that by showing that, you know, by the example that we gave of the right. last place law school doing worse right. and then affecting the rankings of others. So whatever you're trying to measure, you're probably not trying to measure that, right? right? Um, so <laughs> the answer to that is probably no under the U.S. news. Yeah, rankings, the answer to right? number, question number two. Yeah, the question is, number two. Is no. Um, what are we trying to measure? You know, so, 
the the point is I actually don't care about the rankings at all. Like I said at the beginning, I, I don't care what the rankings show. What I care about is that anybody spends any of their time trying to <laughs> hit particular marks for the U.S. News and World Report ranking. Um, if, you know, if, if we were trying to, you know, if this were, if there, there were one variable, let's suppose this were like a hundred meter dash, right? And we all agree that by running the race the fastest, you do better, right? I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, build faster racers. And that just is what the game is. We're trying to run the 100-meter dash as fast as we can. Right? So getting the lowest time makes you the best at that heat. Right. And That just and, happened. And we, we hire a team manager, and the incentives on the manager are to produce faster runners. Yes. And, uh, and we rank the team higher if it has more faster runners yes. in it, right? Uh, and, and then the team manager does things to try to improve the times. You know, uh, um, that would be virtuous because that's the thing that we're trying to produce, right? It, we're trying to produce faster runners. We've agreed on right. that. It would be, yes, it's virtuous in its own frame of reference. Absolutely. Okay. So the answer to the first question, I don't know. This is something that maybe we can return to in future episodes. And this is the, what are we trying to do? What, what should we be trying to measure? Which really asks, what are we trying to do in law schools? Which is another way of asking, like, what should the nature of law's practice and role in society be? You know, you zoom it out enough and you start to realize, huh, I wonder what we should be doing in law school. Right. Right. Is it just about preparing students to practice the very year after they graduate immediately in law firms as they're currently constituted? Should is there a is there a social function of law schools to try to produce it either, you know, exert some effect on practice to make it slightly different to change law the way society in general understands law to make you know there are all kinds of things that i again i maybe this is a, a deeper conversation for another time about what the role of the law school is and presumably you would want to measure quality at achieving that role or that plurality of goals to the extent there's no agreement um maybe i don't know what you mean i uh, it was an open-ended statement i don't know what you mean maybe what do you mean maybe we, no, you actually wasn't. You say you you should you'd want to measure blah blah blah. I'm not actually sure that you would, but or, or not. But well, if I just want to know, and forget about ranking. I just want a pairwise measurement. Is law school A better than law school B? Right? Okay. Okay. In order to know that, you need to reduce the many many variables into a scalar measure, right? You need to because you need to show whether. To say law school A is better than law school B means that it exceeds on some measure law school B. Yes. Right? And to know that, to reduce all those variables to some, uh, to, to reduce the multidimensional array of variables, qualitative and quantitative, if you like, um, to some kind of pairwise comparison, you require a norm. That's what a norm does. This is the mathematical definition of a norm, right? right. Uh, which happens to hit on on kind of the legal meaning of norm here. Uh, but you need that. And, and that requires that you have some understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, right? Law school A is better than B if it better accomplishes the goal, set of goals, or balances among competing goals that you have than does law school B. Yes. And, you, and uh, so, you know, uh, different people will care about different dimensions. Some dimensions are measurable, some are not. Right. Um, you know, Right. I mean, so yeah, so that's a separate point that, that indeed, whatever we, you know, even if we can't answer the question, what are we, in quotes, trying to do with law schools? Because we think there are many different actors trying to do many different things. 
in the law. So in the law is a very one one of the reasons it's a flexible degree um, uh, is because uh, it has so many applications in society, right? I mean, there, you can do a lot of things with a law degree, and um, and for those many different things, there are going to be many different qualities in a law school that you would want to have to to kind of give you the best chances or best training to right. do those things. Yep. Um, and so if, one and and one of them. Uh, as I was mentioning before, in a in a in an employment market where there are some heavy regional effects, yeah, part of it could just be location, right? right? If you knew for sure that what you wanted to do is to go to work in your parents' law firm, which consisted of just them writing wills in a small town, and that's and you wanted in for whatever reason you want to live in that town, you want to yeah. meet people, you you enjoyed the interactions they had with their client. If that's what you wanted to do. What you need is a law degree and some training to be competent in practicing law. And you'll learn a lot on the job from your parents. So right. E- even the practical training is not necessarily. You want the cheapest law school that does that, right? That's very different from someone who says, right. I want to be the next, uh, yes, sir. I want to be the next, you know, Bill Clinton or something like right. that. You'd right. Go to the, you'd go to the least expensive for you law school with the highest bar passage rate in that state. Yeah. and But even that, you it would kind of depend on you. If you are good with standardized tests, if you have right. a high, you may not even care about bar passage rates as much because you can you might not. pass the bar on your but own. But it'd be odd to ignore it. I mean, it would be odd to ignore if there are three law schools in your state and one law school has a much lower bar passage rate than the other two. Right. Um, it'd be, I think it would be odd to ignore that when you're making a choice among those yeah, three. Yeah, it depends on how low, but if it's, if it's within the ballpark, you know, you might have a preference yeah. for commuting. You might or say they're all equal lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that kind of point makes clear that there's not going to be one non-controversial measure of law school quality for everybody. Right. But the point here is that no matter what your measure, the U.S. News does a lousy job. <laughs> right. That it, um, first of all, you know, as we've talked about already, it doesn't measure even what it purports to measure, um, because it's not reliable, right? I mean, you, small, it's not changes, statistically small, reliable. small changes in one thing affect other things in unpredictable ways in ways that we all agree shouldn't be affected. Right. Right. Um, the other, the other problem is the effect on behavior. That's, that's my concern about it. Again, I don't care what the rankings are if they have no other effect other than to for students to make some decisions, right? Um, but the problem is you you can't just have that effect, right? You can't just have the effect of giving students information well, without also that, affecting the law school's desire to appeal to those students. Right. Anything that affects their decisions will affect the law school's decisions. Right. Because the students are the law school's customers. Right. And so... That's not all they are, but that's part of what they are. Right. So they will be so people will pay attention to that aspect of their their customers in a very complicated relationship. Correct. Uh in a kind of quasi fiduciary relationship. One Indeed. where you know, they don't know as much about what they're getting into as the person providing the service. So right. there's some additional, you know, moral responsibilities that go with that. And yep. I think we as teachers feel that very deeply. Yes. Right. The moral responsibility towards students. I don't want anybody to go to law school uh who's not informed about it, who doesn't have uh um uh who wants something that I don't think they can get from it. You know, I, I feel a sense of responsibility for my students. Um, as I know, every other teacher I know also does. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a little bit different than just wanting to to make bank <laughs> off of right. any uh, other product. No, right? uh, correct, correct. But it, so if we knew, I mean, just to use a very uh, strange example of these effects. So if we knew that, you know, um, if it were a medical fact 
that um, every human being under the age of 35 broke out in a severe rash every time they saw the color orange. Now, this is not true, is it? It's not true. Okay. But if it were true, yeah. there would be no law school in the United States which had an orange object anywhere in or near it. Well, one because would, one the population would, they serve... Right. Have you would, seen how some 1L classes are run? <laughs> I, don't, I don't... You know, I, I would like to think all the sadism has been wrung out of law schools mm, over the past point. 40 fair years. Point. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't attended every There could every be the orange room where you expose people <laughs> to orange selectively as a way <laughs> right, to try exactly. to... Right. There could be some professors who would have... No, I get you. I get you. But, go on. Go right. on. Yeah. So it's, I'm simply saying it's... It, any, so anything that affects them affects the law school because the law school knows it affects them the right. students so you can't have a universe where you just affect the students but here's the problem if what the students are affected by is an unreliable measure that is manipulable that doesn't necessarily concord with their long-term interests and then you have because of the middle the middleman is picking out something they can administer right and then law school administrations are focusing on hitting the marks in order to get the better aggregate score under that unreliable thing, which doesn't hit any of the targets anybody would want to have. Right. Right. Then uh, that's bad for the students. Right. That's like. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of an analogy for that. It, it would be like if uh, um, there were, I don't know, some aesthetic judgment about something. And the middleman had a preference about orange, which the students actually don't have. The administration doesn't have. It doesn't cause rashes, right? It just is deemed a less valuable color by the middle person. Law schools won't have orange. They don't have orange. They get ranked higher. They're ranked higher, and so the law sc- and so prospective <laughs> students go there. Right. And we have a world without orange in the law schools, even though it has right. nothing to do with what we want to deliver, what we feel is valuable, or that the students want to consume. Right. That's our problem. It's a mis- it's a huge misdirection of resources. Exactly. It's misallocation. And, and and I guess my point is that every minute that a law school administrator thinks about hitting US news marks is a minute which is wasted at a social level, but which is totally understandable from the I, from the you know, I would like to think if I were an administrator I wouldn't waste my time doing this, but I think it's inescapable. I think it's paint that paints too broad a brush because it assumes that every bit of the US news data is uh, useless. And I don't think that's true. If you try to disentangle some of it, you might find some useful things in there. But you certainly have to but fight your way to that yeah, stuff. But there are things that you would and think you about. And you disaggregate it. If you were just sitting down around a table at the beginning of the year, right. saying what should our focus be in terms of resources and investments in order to make for a great educational experience, yeah. given the sometimes competing, sometimes cooperative goals that people have for legal education, you would come out with a list of priorities. Yes. Sometimes that might be to increase the number of volumes in the library. Maybe it would be to eliminate the library and move to an entirely online thing. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, to invest right. For some more, value of the word invest library. more yeah. in human capital and librarians, right? As, right. Uh, and their kind of emerging roles in the digital landscape. Maybe you invest more in that kind of research. I, I don't know what you would do. Uh, maybe, maybe you would um, have more spending per student. Maybe you would find ways to improve your economies of scale and actually spend less per student and deliver better services. Right. I, I don't know what you would do. But the point is that although sometimes you might hit the kinds of things the U.S. News 
measures. Often you won't. And it's just coincidental. Maybe even rarely. It's you just would. coincidental. So that what right. I'm saying is that it's what what is wasteful is to sit and think about what US News wants and then think about ways to hit that. Okay. That's what I'm saying is wasteful. Okay. And destructive. And horrible. <laughs> okay. You're not incensed by this. You're not as incensed by this as I am, I can tell. It distorts every our whole industry is distorted by this. It does, and it, it, it does distort it, and I, no one hopes for a different equilibrium situation than I do. No one hopes for that more fervently than I do. Um, however, uh, the path from the equilibrium we're in to that other one is not only is it not clear to me, it's invisible to me. I do yeah, not, I don't know any sequence of steps that would get you to a different equilibrium. I, could, I suppose I could describe it in the abstract. Some ranking system, which was better at measuring something worth measuring, yeah. would need to become more popular among students. I mean, lighters tried to do some of as this. As soon as that were true, then uh, people would pay more attention to it, that other ranking, than the one we have. And set, presumably that would be salutary if the ranking were better at measuring things we should be measuring and caring about. Why not just start with the Why not just start with the rankings we have from U.S. News this year or the last year? This was your idea. Of freeze just, it in place. Yeah, freeze it in place. Because what matters is that students have a way to kind of sort and choose, right? So here and say so here's a big objective thing. These these are the top schools. So and are you saying all should, things being equal, go to the higher ranked school? But all things, of course, are not equal because you value different things. Yeah, this propo- I don't understand. Your proposal is so foolish. I don't. I can't. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't believe someone as smart as you would say something. So you can't mean what you say. I do mean. So what what's I say. the sense in which you mean what you say? But it. Get, but no one would accept it if it's last year's number. Everyone would say no. I want this year's number. So you're just going to repaint a new. You're going to paint yeah. a new number on the front every year. Yeah, but not change. Them. Not change it. You're going to let anyone know you're not changing them. I don't know. Oh, now we're getting interested. Yeah, no. Yeah, of course you have to because the whole problem is people are chasing the numbers. And once the numbers are fixed, then you start to think, okay, we're, we're the number 30 law school in the country. How do we go about being the best damn this 30, is what's number so 30 foolish, law school? Yeah, right? Because it's not, then, then it's not a ranking. Well, I, it, it's, it's a number that doesn't... That, ah, but now you've hit upon it, Joe. The U.S. News ranking is not a ranking. It's just a number. <laughs> right? Fair, fair point. Isn't that what the unreliability stuff shows? This doesn't actually rank anything that we'd want to measure. Well, it's this random. is, and this is what I was saying before. No, it's not that bad. It's actually the situation is. In, the well, ver- I should the say situation the is actually worse than that. It may, it looks at enough things that are interesting enough for it to feel like you're blinding yourself to valuable information if you ignore it completely. This, I, that's what I believe. That's well, it's insidious in the sense that it has the veneer of measuring real quality. Because who who's to, who wouldn't say right that Yale, all things considered, is a better law school. Then, you know, pick one from the fourth tier or third tier. Okay. Okay. I mean, Yale is a very good law school. It does some things that a lot of people love. It does some things poorly that some people think it should do much better. Um, right. But, you know, I'm not, you know, there are a lot of Yale bashers out there like there is, but I'm not one of them. I think it's a great law school. Sure. Um, I mean, there's, look, and we could be, I mean, we could look at the whole last hour and a half of conversation, which is going to end shortly. I have to leave. <laughs> Um, but which I'm sad about because mm-hmm. I could talk for another four hours about this mm-hmm. easily. Um, like we, th- this thing could be so off point. Like you could say, look, all of this is about social credentialing 
Right. There are brand values that from right. the name Harvard and Stanford and Yale and University of Chicago and et cetera, et cetera, that have nothing to do with anything other than this sort of social reproduction of hierarchy and right. of credentialing. You're just getting a and, – and so, of course, the strongest students will go to those places because they're they, – <laughs> yeah. so Why not if, just be honest about well, that by freezing if that's, them in place? If, if that's true – yeah. And I'm not saying it is. I'm saying there's a, you could come from a perspective that says, look, all of this is just such a bunch of bread and circus that has, that is totally not about reality. It's yeah. all self entertainment. Mm -hmm. And the reality is this other social hierarchy stuff going on over here. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, do whatever you want. I mean, average their drape length or average their whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Well, but what it does matters matter. is this other stuff. It does matter because of its knock-on effects on behavior, which is why I would mm. say freeze in place a ranking system that is not manipulable by being not changeable, right? That's, that's the, old, that's the yeah. limit this of non-manipulability. And the, then people don't spend a minute thinking about but how But this to is the foolishness the of, like, when I, when I want to be extreme in class and I'll suggest, well, you know, well, we need a different, we need a procedural rule here. So, like, let's consider some candidate rules for burdens of proof, right? Mm -hmm. what, what, two of the easiest rules to articulate uh, with the most reliable outcomes are also the worst, right? Plaintiff always wins, plaintiff always loses. Right. Um, though, those are great because they're, they have 100% predictability. Right. Uh, they have the lowest cost of administration. Yeah. Um, they're awesome. They're also... <laughs> you don't even need a coin. You don't even need a coin no. to flip. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they have the defect of being completely unrelated to the merits of the underlying cause of action. Mm -hmm. So your s sense of like, oh, we'll solve this problem of manipulation by coming up with a number that's not manipulable. It's not manipulable because it's totally valueless. It's well, frozen it's not, in place. It, it means nothing. Okay, it, well, so that's a that's a silly idea. Imagine though that people couldn't that that uh, uh, money and talent follows rankings. Imagine it did that perfectly. Okay, then it would not matter, right? It would not matter how you ranked things. All that matters is that there is a stable ranking, kind of like the the justification for property, right? That you want stable, secure entitlements. And then, what, and then people will invest in those entitlements. Here's here's what I think could be cool <laughs> and fun and interesting as a different, a not your proposal, a different proposal, which is sort of an. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm just go ahead, go ahead. Joe. An open information yeah. approach, yeah, which would sort of riff on the law school admissions council data or whatever. Basically, it would just be a giant spreadsheet updated every year um and it and it absolutely would not rank things or norm things or average things or whatever it would just be publicly available data about all these institutions and if you want to download that data and use it to do whatever you want to do okay right as a user put it pull it into your program whatever spreadsheet program you're using sort it however you want out, crunch it however you want, make your own algorithms, right. whatever, right? Um, that would be helpful. Because mm -hmm. I think, and again, assuming you get like, and 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 it, the measure lots of things. Yeah. Some of them will be interesting to some people. Some of them will not be interesting to other people. That's fine, right? But if they could be measures that you can, uh, that are verifiable, 
Mm-hmm. We measured these things. You can verify that these are the real values of that right. number for that institution at that point in time. Right. Um, then let people just do what they want to do with the information. Don't rank it. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the concern is... Make it easy for people who want to make comparisons along dimensions they care about to make those comparisons. Because that's what people are hungry for as people who want to decide what law schools to go to. Right. What you want to make available is information which which will be salient to, which would be salient to to well-informed consumers um, that is manipulable, but is only virtuously manipulable. Right? So... If we had, imagine there was only one kind of job, lawyer, right? Or not a lawyer. There's no in-between. There's no stuff which is kind of lawyer. Imagine that that's it, right? And it's either a permanent job or not a permanent job. Then we could publish employment statistics at various points, right? And if it weren't ranked, then people could look at like three-month employment, six-month employment, nine-month, one year, two years, five years. And maybe it would, you know, different people might have different tastes for risk, uh, and, and may say, well, what matters to me is the five-year employment. I'm okay not being employed for a year or two. You know, th- they may have different views about how to treat those data. Um, we might agree, and again, we can, we can uh, you know, talk at some point about what law schools should be doing or what it's for. But I think, you know, we certainly want our graduates to be employed in a field which is enriching to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a law, maybe those are traditional law firm jobs. Maybe it's a mix of that and other kinds of things. Maybe it's, uh, maybe you can think of the degree as something which enriches any number of other jobs that you might have from school teacher to, um, right. secretary of state, you know, whatever it's going to be. Uh, I don't know with, without, um, because well, if that's the case, right. If, if then it's going to be really hard to classify whether what the employment statistics are without getting into what's a real job and not a real job and now we have an opening for kind of non-virtuous non-virtuous manipulation you know shunting people into easier jobs creating incentives to take jobs which they can more easily get which count toward the statistics but may not be the most enriching for them whereas again i think our ultimate goal is to be good is to help be good agents of the students right to enrich their minds in ways that help them self-actualize right that help them realize their potential and and discover new interests but i think the way to i think um yes Uh, and because i agree with you i think that uh if there were a way to provide information to people making decisions about where to go to school that could help them uh find what they at that time most believe they need and want uh then they could sort themselves into the places that they want to try to be. Right. Um, And we can focus on the people who arrive there doing just what you said. Um, And, and maybe, you know, maybe in a world where given how much federal guaranteed student loan dollars are flowing into the system, Mm -hmm. both in law and in other kinds of uh, higher ed, um, you could imagine a, a context where the Department of Education tried to yeah, play, so, play tried to play some role yeah. in gathering and creating a platform of publicly available public domain information, right? That they were auditing, that they were able to, so they wouldn't report a number they couldn't audit 
right in some respect right right um and um you know then people can do those can make those choices that they want to make now of course schools we we made this observation before you, you can't um you know you can't stop a school from trying to anticipate a result based on the measurement like right. if this is what they measure here some students will be drawn to it we want those not those so let's do this other thing over here mm-hmm. based on what they measure so you wouldn't be able to remove that uh, because I just think that's just what it means to have a seller as well as a buyer in a in a context of choice. Um, but but you could at least remove the ability of the school to manipulate the right. actual reported value. Right. Make this the a number federally disclosed thing with you know fraud and all the other consequences that go with faking with cooking the books. Yeah, and then yeah. you just have measures that. Are because they are auditable and audited. The information's a platform. People, yeah, can and they and they're reliable measures and, numbers, and then people can just go use them however they want to use them. Yeah, and and to the degree, why is that something that makes sense for a Department of Education in a context where there are lots of federal loan dollars? Because I believe that the uh, rate at which people repay their loans is correlated positively with having gone to a school that was a better match for them than not. So I went to a terribly matched school, I guess. So at the margin... I'll, I'll at, be repaying mine until I die, Joe. No, I'm saying the 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 frequency with which a student actually pays back their loans yeah, yeah. Uh, is correlated probably loose, probably very weakly, but positively. So it's probably a number very close to zero, but at least it's a positive number, not a negative number. Um with feeling like they went to a school that was a better match for them than a worse match for them. Mm-hmm. So at the margin, so so that me, that to me is all the hook the Department of Education would need to say. Therefore, it makes sense for us to invest in this. Yeah, and ideally... Because we're trying right, to maximize right. the degree to which we recollect the federally loaned right. guaranteed dollars. I think dollars. there's lots of objective information that if you created rules for it and you thought about manipulation, you might be able to create a better database, a better platform for... Yeah thinking that and that's the kind of thing you describe it's also the case that it would be great to have subjective evaluations of of how it went because you know measuring teaching is a really hard thing so like a yelp for law schools could be great and sure uh, but the problem is of course that students only go to one law school except for transfer students and even then it's the one l year versus the second third years which are very different yep so there just aren't great ways for students to you know students have opinions about schools but some of their strong opinions come from the expectations set up by the school itself like, I think there are a bunch of, like, Yale-bashing Yaleys, um, a bunch of, boost, uh, you know, boosters from other schools. You know, there's a culture of a school about, you yeah. know, how critical to be, which makes it almost impossible to compare. Like, if you took some of the complainers from one school and put them in another school, they might complain even more. Um, so because maybe- there's a culture of the school. There's a culture at a school, is what I'm saying. It's not that, not that complainers are drawn to one school and boosters are drawn to another, necessarily, but, right. you know. Yeah. So um, I need to draw this discussion to a close uh, for today. Okay. But one, but one idea, I mean, to think about as an alternative, I mean, and it's, you know, so so what about the alternate universe where, you know, you've got a population of people who desire to go to school, law school, okay, and you've got a population of law schools with, uh slots of students they can admit as students we can admit 100 students this year Mm -hmm. Um, and you just just create effectively a huge lottery 
where your uh your admission ticket to a school is chosen at random from among the total number of admission seats available that year in all law schools in the United States. Okay. And you get... Uh, and they're tradable. That's what you're say. Of course, we're immediately going to get inter- into interesting questions about that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would say no. I would say in this alternate universe, it's you. this ticket, you, I, you get it, and you can either use it or not use it. If you decide to not use it, you cannot attend a law school. Wait, so if I'm California bred and born and I want to stay in California and I get admitted to... Uh, the University of Georgia. I've got to go to University of Georgia. Yes, yeah, so I'm imagining this is an alternate universe, okay. right? Where okay. to get people to focus on being the best school they can be. Yeah. Okay. Well, that means breaking the connection between a student's consumption decision and anything the school can control. Okay. Um, because so, then the school is going to be concerned with creating happy alumni. It's right. It's concerned entirely with outputs mm-hmm. and the quality of those outputs. So, um, so. You get to go or not to that UGA seat that you received that year. If you don't go that year for that seat that you received, you cannot go to any law school that year. Of course, if you want to enter the lottery again next year, feel free. Um, but why not, why not let them trade if you ban side payments? Because the trading will be based on the, these assessments that will be generate the market for information yeah, that's going to create. So there will be a rankings in that universe. There will be a U.S. News rankings hmm. because people will need to make a decision about the basis on which to trade. Now, now you could say the same critique of my system, which is, well, of course there will be one too because I have to decide whether to go. Yeah. So of course there will be a system of rankings there too. Right. Because they'll have to decide about whether to go. But the, there, I think the decision they're making to go that to that school this year or sit it out for a whole year. Yeah. And try again next year. which And I may get that school or I may get a different school. So you'll school. still get like an LSAT distribution. You, you, uh, you know, the question would be why take an LSAT, but hypothetical LSATs, if you could administer them, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you could have some you, criteria. There, you there can't participate be, in the lottery unless some, you have these yeah, qualifications. There, there'd be some spread. Uh, still, because students would wait it out. Um, Some would, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think but, but you it would, would have be attenuated really much more clumped together. Yeah, you would have attenuated yeah. a lot. The um, whereas if you let them trade seats, uh, even if you ban side payments, because of course there will be substitutes for side payments. Um, so yeah, I just wonder. I don't know whether I think that's a good world or a bad world. I have no idea because I literally just thought of this mm-hmm. sitting here. Um, but it's something I want to think about. Is would that be a better? Would that be a world where law schools focused on more of the sorts of things that you or I or someone else might think a law school should focus on in terms of the the educational experience provided to those young lawyers and for schools to experiment? I mean, part of what part of what the rankings uniform, universally um, adhere to ranking system takes away the you know laboratory of the Law schools, right? I mean, the, the people aren't going to experiment right. if you have to hit a certain mark. Um, that's why I think you should just freeze and place the rankings. That's my solution. Your your solution is to make people go, uh, to force people to go to law schools they don't want to go to. No, uh, not no, at all. No, I, I, that, that's my caricature of your position. Okay. You, you, you are, <laughs> these are the law student slaves that Joe wants to create. My solution is to freeze and place the rankings and, and we'll be free at last from the tyranny I mean, imagine all the productive capital that would be unleashed if, 
if administrators were not chasing rankings. And my impression is, and this is, I'm not saying this from my own school. I've got no idea, no idea of how this goes on at my own school. But uh, at other schools, you just get this impression. You hear what people say. It, chasing U.S. news rankings consumes an enormous, uh, an enormous amount of time and energy, at least from some portion of schools, maybe all schools. I don't know. Yeah, and not just in law, but in in many other uh, disciplines and in, in the undergraduate level. And I mean, yeah, this this ranking thing is consumes an enormous amount of social resources. It's true. I don't think though we've really gotten even close to answering the question whether it's possible to construct a system where that wouldn't be the case. All right. You know, it wouldn't be an enormous amount of social resources poured into creating a ranking regime and trying to hit a target in it. All right. You know what's consumed a lot of resources? This podcast. This episode. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to pull the plug on it. Cool. Uh, listeners, you let us know. Did we screw this one up? Did we get it right? What do you think? What do we do? I'd like to hear from our colleagues at other law schools, uh, you know, administrators. You can be anonymous. Sure. Uh, Bob Morse, isn't that his name? I think it, I think that's right, from U.S. News. You want to get in touch? <laughs> Complain? Uh, maybe we're wrong about this. I don't know. I have an open mind. Um, that's true. This is our, our, our first, although you did declare it our final discussion of this yeah, topic. That's true. I think that was premature. Um, yeah, probably so. You know, but why not? All right, we're going to end it here. Bye, Joe. Bye.